Hello and welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I am your host, Klabotini. I'm your co-host, Yusuf. And we are here with Nasha Neremuka. Thank you for being here, Nasha. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm pleased to have you. Um, so you are a third year PhD candidate at the Faculty of Education, is that right? Yes, that is. And can you tell us a bit more about what you're doing if you have what is your research topic? Yeah, for sure. Let's start off with how I kind of got here and that will help to explain what my research is about. So I started off um, doing my undergraduate degree in business. So if you were to ask me then, I would tell you business is the place to be, that's where I'm gonna end up. And it actually took me by surprise that I ended up in education. I got the opportunity to be research assistant for a prof who was researching higher education. And I started getting some questions about higher education and then I had to make the decision, do I continue in business or do I take the plunge and apply for my master's of education? So I did just that. And uh, sitting in class, I had some principals who were telling me their experiences. And I started to say, wait a minute, this experience doesn't sound like what I've seen when I was in school. And it doesn't sound like what I've read so far in the literature. So then I started having questions about the potential for other realities to not be depicted in dominant literature. So then I pursued that for my master's research and I carried it through towards my doctoral work. So my doctoral work uh, looks at how black female principals construct their professional identities in racially diverse urban centers in Ontario. Awesome, I was just wondering, what was that change like to go from, I mean, from business to something a lot more different. I mean, how did your friends react and how did your parents react? And what was that conversation like for you? It was a very scary time <laughs> because I'm going into something that's unknown and something where I didn't have family members or friends who were in that field. The conversations were very lengthy, trying to determine, okay, so what's going to be the end goal? And at the end of every single conversation, I was left with that feeling of, I still don't want to just leave education and pursue business and be left with the what if. So I just made the decision of let me go and pursue it. And if it isn't meant for me, that's all right. But at least I've tried. So now you're in your third year PhD. Uh, so you've covered a lot of ground. So tell us more about uh, your current research where you are heading right now? Mm -hmm. Right now, I am looking towards the literature and specifically focusing on Black female principles. So traditionally, mm -hmm. Black males have been examined within literature on school leadership and policy enactment. And there's been that understanding that what on race more than gender. So what I want to do is look at the intersection of race and gender and see how the experiences of Black females is different than Black males when it comes to leadership, their access to their network and mentorship opportunities that maybe Black males have that Black females may not have. So where that is leading me is to look at this from my research perspective but then also tap into the networking, the mentorship aspect too, in regards to um, professional and practitioner, practitioner life uh, for principals. 
That's that's very interesting. I didn't know that there was so discrepancy between what he what we have currently as a principle, uh, that is a population that are principle, and what is in the literature and what people know about. And you, so you mentioned, for example, that the, one of the reasons you wanted to do this uh, or to research in this topic is because your own experience was in opposition or partially contradicting what other people experience, where what their story was and what is your story. And can you elaborate maybe a bit more on that so for us to have a bit more background on what is out there? Yes, for sure. So the experiences that I had heard were from my peers who were principals. And majority of those principals were actually white. And what they were explaining was that their experience was different from their counterparts. And a lot of it had to come with race. And they were overt, as well as behind the scenes discussions that were happening where they felt that they were able to implement certain policies within their school with more ease than their counterparts who were Black. And within their experiences, those who were Black who decided to share stated that they had teachers who would try to implement administrative work. So give them paperwork so they wouldn't be able to enact policies to help change the equity and inclusion direction of their schools. So listening to all of those experiences it made me realize that there was a disparity between what it was that I was reading, which was research that was conducted predominantly by white individuals for white individuals framed around all principles are going to be the exact same, and what it is that I was seeing from the lived experiences of my peers. So that really helped me to start getting those research questions going, saying, okay, so how come I'm hearing one thing, but then reading another? And what does it mean? Because there tends to be research that is about people of color as the umbrella term and in there yeah. is included black experiences, but black experiences might be different because there's going to be historical, cultural and social histories embedded in that and power dynamics that provide a different experience than other people of color. Yeah, of course. Absolutely, Nasha. Mm -hmm. um, we recently, we conducted a huge survey and responses from uh, Black students of Black members and Indigenous students and uh, other racial minorities were very different when it came to issues on equity, issues on our campus police. And uh, at least the Black student experience was uh, typically more negative as well. Uh, so to lump everything together is certainly not helpful and really not hiding a lot of data. So I was just wondering, so I suppose um, one of the aims of your studies is to help amplify marginalized voices, to help pe bring people in making policy, important policy decisions. Can you speak more on, on this particular aspect and what you hope to achieve through your research? Yes. So before we can discuss the next steps, we almost have to consider what has happened in the past and where principals get their professional identity construction from. They're mainly from their principal preparation programs and then experience as a vice principal, and then it goes into their principal work. So with this study, I'm hoping that I'm able to obtain some information to help with the retention and the recruitment of Black principals into the principalship, mm -hmm. principalship position, as well as 
be able to enhance leadership frameworks that are used in principal preparation programs. So literature is indicating that there is racial and gender blindness to certain frameworks that are used in these preparation courses. And they're stating that leadership is linear. It is void of race or gender when it comes to how principals are going to lead their schools. So by conducting this research, I'm hoping to be able to get some insight into Black females' experiences to be able to enhance the tailored supports that can be provided in principal preparation programs to ensure success when it comes to enacting policies. And then hopefully this can transfer over into understanding what supports principals need when they're in their positions and how to better understand their professional identity construction. Thank you. Yeah, that would be that would have a huge impact. It's mm-hmm. basically, if my understanding is right, black people that come to the position of being principal do not have any documentation to help them do their job right. So they encounter much more difficulties than any other white guys, I guess. Yes, or the documents that are available do not cater to the challenges and barriers that they face. It may cater to challenges and barriers that white principals may face, which will look different. And then while in their position, they may not have the support to stay in their position, as well as aspiring Black teachers may not necessarily have um, the equipment that they need in order to uh, pursue principalship if they're seeing that their colleagues are struggling while in that position. And something that you mentioned, you talk about recruitment, but also uh, conserving, uh, con- uh, keeping the, the person in place when they are, is there really, it's not really, you say, so I guess it, it is there that I'm guessing people of color do not stay in their position for as long as a white person, I guess. Do you know by how much, how, how many how many years less they, they stay in their position? I don't necessarily know the statistics for that. One of the challenges is that there isn't a lot of research on Black principles to begin with. Okay. Especially within the Canadian context, there's almost that fallacy that Canada did not have the same or similar um, histories when it comes to slavery, discrimination, segregation that the U.S. had. So there's a concentration of research within the U.S., And we're having a little bit of difficulty within the Canadian context getting that information. So hopefully as acknowledgement and awareness increases, I might be able to get those statistics on the discrepancy between the retention rates of white and uh, black principals. I do know that in racially diverse and in urban centers, there is a large increase of black individuals that do not stay within the principal position. Uh, simply just due to the obstacles and barriers that are faced. Nasha, you mentioned um, that, that that you have interest in social cultural context when it comes to ad- administrative uh, education. Could you say something more about this aspect of your interest in research? Mm-hmm. Yes. So when looking at educational leadership that in K-12, that's the area that I focus on. I'm looking towards intersectionality. I'm looking towards the micropolitics that are at play within um, the institution of education and looking to how the intersectional identities overlap to create barriers and boundaries of exclusion for educational actors. One question I was wondering is how is the day-to-day 
research going? So you you mentioned that you were gathering literature to be able to compare what the literature is saying compared to other peer experience. So how do you get this peer experience? Is it interviews? Is mm -hmm. it are you following them with a notebook or how are you conducting your research? Yeah, I'm doing life history and qualitative work. So with that, I'm going to be hopefully able to do face-to-face -face, um, interviews with my participants. I think when discussing matters of race and gender, there is that benefit of myself being a Black researcher and being able to sit down with other Black principals and have an open conversation. So I'm hoping the interview um, will be able to obtain some great insight as to their day-to-day. As well to supplement that, I'll be looking at policy documents to see exactly what it is that they have to um, enact within their schools and how that comes together with their experiences. Okay, interesting. I was wondering, um, have you been doing any uh, collaborative work maybe with some of your peers or uh, are you engaged in any other project that is related to your main uh, dissertation as well that is of interest to you? My research interest is on organizational change and looking at principles. So I've been fortunate enough to look at the role of principalship and leadership and policy um, in different ways. And my supervisor, Dr. Gus Rivieros is doing amazing work in regards to the notion of space. So in yeah. the conversation, I've been able to um, contribute to some of his work on that. And I hope that as I progress further, I'll be able to dig a little bit deeper into looking at Black principles. Yeah, that's great. I think it's super helpful to have a supervisor who's supportive uh, and uh, and not the other, other way around. Um, but also I was wondering, uh, has COVID made things a bit more difficult in doing some of the research that you want to do? And what are you hoping for in the coming year, for example? Yes, that's a great question because I think the challenges that I face are not solely towards me, but I think graduate students as a whole being the access to information. So when COVID hit, there was a lag between getting information that wasn't readily already available and having to wait for libraries to be able to make those book chapters available online. Mm. So already that was a step back um, in terms of access. And then the second being our education system got hit really hard with COVID. So even thinking of conducting research, applications yeah. were not being accepted. So that is also a barrier that a lot of graduate students had to face in dealing with um, COVID. I know principals, they already have a lot of work intensification and then COVID added an extra layer. And that goes back to being that position of leadership and being responsible to cater to different policies and the changing dynamics of what was happening in school. So it also add another layer of having to think about how I'm going to conduct my research considering that principals already have a large workload. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess because we are so busy, they may not want to take time to express their own experience or talk with you. Mm -hmm. Yes, sure. How are you selecting even your participants? Are you just sending an email to the population saying, hey, I'm doing this research. Are you interested to maybe talk with me? Or mm -hmm. 
there's a lot of consideration that has to go into recruitment simply because of the position of a principal mm -hmm. um, in connection to the school board. The main way to recruit be purposeful recruitment. So sending out um, that email that's going through, for example, the Ontario Principals Council. So it's an organization where all principals will have access to the dissemination of newsletters. Another option that um, other researchers have taken is snowballing. So using that approach to get into that inner network of uh, principals in order to recruit them. Okay, so you recruit someone that knows someone else that gets recruited and et cetera. Yes. Okay. Yes. What was one really interesting thing that you are learning about right now uh, in your research that you want to explore a lot more and you are hopeful it brings in the results uh, that are helpful? Mm -hmm. One thing that I'm really interested in knowing about more, and this has been vaguely touched upon within the literature, is when it comes to Black professional identity, may not necessarily be female or at this point, um, there's a lot of references to religion. So oh. Christian values and that being a motivator for building um, the professional identity towards caring for students, towards leading in an honest and transparent way. So that has actually been a very interesting tidbit that I've been um, looking into. And I think in another study, it'll be interesting to see how often religion gets brought up within Black principles and to find out the historical reason for why that is an, a significant factor for their principalship and how they lead their schools. Yeah, that, that's really fascinating. Uh, and mm -hmm. maybe in a year or so, you can come back to GradCast to share more updates, really. Uh, <laughs> as, <laughs> uh, I, I was also thinking, has there been a time where you sort of stopped in your research and rethought about what you were doing for a while or wanted to take a different turn. What, maybe if you can share a possible difficulty that, that you may have experienced in your research. Mm -hmm. Yes. When looking at educational leadership, there is a lot of information that is already out there. And sometimes there's contentions as well. So when I first was coming into my PhD, I thought, I'm going to continue what I did for my master's, which I looked at how um, principals enact equity inclusive policies within high schools. So I thought, okay, for sure, I'm definitely going to follow that route, look at equity inclusive policies. But then we had a change of municipal government. And now uh -oh. equity and inclusion policies was not necessarily an item that um, took high priority. So I would go onto the websites that I used for my, the provincial websites that I used for my master's thesis, and they were no longer in existence. So now I had to reframe the way that I was going to look at my research because yeah. you want research that's time sensitive, but also one that is going to last and have importance and significance for the population you're addressing. So then I decided, okay, let me look at our leadership framework. And specifically within Ontario, there it can get a little bit daunting to look at the literature that's out there. And you can get caught up in looking at, oh, what's the American context? What's the Australian context um, or the European context? 
So it really helped to narrow it down to just looking at Canada and looking at um, the systems of change that can be implemented. So I had to have a lot of conversations with my supervisor, had to go back to the drawing board and look to see what is possible, what is it that I'm interested in, and what is it that is going to spark a change within the targeted group that I wanted. Yeah, I was curious. So I'm guessing you choose to focus on population in Ontario because it's where you live and where it will have the most impact. Do you expect to see maybe some difference between regions like Ontario versus Quebec versus uh, over Saskatchewan? I don't know. (laughs) Yes, there definitely would be differences. Education is provincially run. So each province is going to have um, different policies and different ways of leading schools. And I think also access to resources is a big contributing factor to differences that we see within our schools. Because although we may have these big overarching dreams for how to improve our schools, if we don't have the resources, it becomes a little bit harder to achieve those goals and the feasibility of those goals as well. Hopefully in the future, I might be able to do a comparative study of provinces or look at Canada as a whole. Um, For now with the groundwork, I'd like to stick within Ontario. And even within Ontario, there most likely will be stark differences between what's happening, for example, in London compared to what's happening in Ottawa or what's happening in Toronto. So I think that just that diversity in itself is something that's motivating to continue to keep studies within Ontario and see where that's going to lead. Yeah, uh, so Nasha, um, the word on the street is that you are a member of SOGS or the Society (laughs) of Graduate Students uh, uh, Equity Committee. what made you decide to join that committee? And if you can share some of the maybe recent works in the past few months the committee is doing and what that means to you. Mm -hmm. So coming into my doctoral program, I wanted to get plugged in with the university in some capacity. I know some of the challenges were how to navigate academia as a graduate student and be a person of color or and be black. So I wanted to practice what I was preaching, that if I was going to do studies about leadership, that I too need to stand as a voice and join leadership opportunities where I can speak on behalf of people who are racialized and also provide opportunities for those who are non-racialized to become aware and to join different um, initiatives that we're doing on campus in order to better community and better culture at Western. So that's what initially led me to join. And also my faculty didn't have an equity group. So I thought it'd be great to get plugged in with the broader graduate society and see how some of the skills and knowledge I can gain from there can trickle down into my faculty, um, which was a great experience because then I helped to start our first equity committee within our faculty. And I have to give um, applause to the SOGS equity committee for helping me have the confidence and also the skills to be able to know how to conduct that within a university setting. Wow, that's that's awesome. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have such diverse background. It's, It's impressive. And so you talk about how your research will be will be having we hopefully have such an impact on the uh, on the community and I hope 
it will help people. I was wondering, where do you see yourself after your PhD? And do you have any projects, follow-up projects? Yeah, so after I'm done my PhD, I'm hoping to pursue a professorship. And I'm hoping to carry forward some of the work that I'm doing and um, be able to open up different boundaries for exploring principalship and uh, racial, racial dilemmas that principals may face. And while I'm still in my PhD, I'm hoping to be able to attend different conferences. I'm writing um, a book chapter right now that looks at the different mentorship and accesses of support for principals. So I'm hoping there might be able to touch upon some of the research that I've conducted. And I'm hoping to also just still continue to get plugged in. Um, I know SOX tomorrow has an event that we are hosting. And for all our viewers, I highly, highly encourage you to attend. Um, Even if you just have it just for 10 minutes, just come check it out. And I assure you, you're going to leave with some positive knowledge. And um, I'm hoping you just continue getting plugged in within the Western community. So maybe I can add on that. Uh, It's only because it's it's on tomorrow. I mean, it's 23rd of March. So people who might be viewing this episode might be afterwards, but um, it's called uh, Not Your Token. It's about Black empowerment. We've got Nicole Kanicki from Toronto, who's the EDI director. And also uh, we had Opio, Dr. Opio Loya from Western, but unfortunately there was a family emergency. Uh, but Ashton Forrest, our accessibility commissioner, will be there to have a chat with Nicole Kanicki and we're all supportive of this event. Uh, so since we're at the end of the event, uh, Nasha, um, would you like to share your any information or how of how people can connect with you or ask questions? Mm-hmm. Yes, I encourage you to check out my website. It's www.nashanaramuka. So N Y A S H A N Y E R E Y E M H U K A dot com. And there you'll find some information about more of my work as well. You can contact me through there. You can also contact me via email at n-n-y-e-r-e-y-e at uwo.com to ask more information about my work. Nice. I'm, I'm very impressed. I think yeah, your your study will, will have, I, at least I hope it will have a huge impact. It's, it's impressive at least. <laughs> That's it's not my field, but from far away, it's it's looked very impressive. So I'm looking forward to see how it develops. Mm-hmm, for sure. Okay, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure having a discussion with you both. Thank you. So um, thanks a lot. It was great. And with this, um, this has been broadcast the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host Yusuf, and my co-host was Claire. Uh, we've been speaking. We've been speaking with Nasha, and this episode episode was produced by our own chair, Ariel Frame. Uh, if you would like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcastradio@gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at gradcastradio to listen to us. We are on Radio Western 94.9 FM. You can also find all of our episodes on the website at gradcast.ca or on podcast apps like Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Alternatively, 
select podcasts have been uploaded to YouTube at Gradcast Radio. Thank you for listening and have an amazing night or day or whatever time it is. Bye.